Welcome to episode 11 of the Cop Talk Podcast. I'm joined again by Mark and Jim Lambert. How you guys doing? Mark? Hey, what up? Jim? Fine, thank you for asking. Oh, <laughs> I see we're doing impersonations now, or what? Hey, what's up, Brent? Oh, that's better. That's the hey, Jim. Mark, no. You're going to have to explain our technical difficulties real quick, though. No, it's really pointless, because... We can do it in one word. Brent. That, thanks. <laughs> that is... Hey, welcome to Cop Talk. That's that's the kind of love that I demand from you guys. So tonight, um, I guess we're going to go with uh, three different topics. We'll do road rage, we'll do panhandling, and then we'll also talk about something a little bit different, which will be a medical topic, and uh, it's probably what I'm about to have, which is a stroke <laughs> from all the pressure that you guys give me. So let's, uh, it, well, first, anybody got any news from uh, this past week? Um, yeah, I had something, but I forgot what it, what it was. So we'll go on to Jim. That's super important. Yeah. Jim, anything interesting happened to you in the past week that we can talk about? Um, Memorial Day weekend on the river was just enlightening. It was very pleasant. It was very, I'm through with the thoughts of wanting to kill myself. So no, no. Yeah, I was busy over the weekend. So so you're saying that it was busy this weekend? It was off the hook. That's and do you have any statistics for us there? Other than off the hook? Uh yes. My patrol boat uh burned about uh one hundred and seventy two gallons of uh ninety seven octane fuel at a cost of four seventy nine a gallon and we worked uh fifteen hour shifts and uh I miss my niece's housewarming party. Here you go, Brent. Put it this way. The first holiday of the season and the first time in probably two or three years where there was very decent weather. So I'm sure people took advantage of that. Mm. Any arrests? Yes. There were arrests all over the county. And I liked how, uh, I think it was Saturday morning, I read on the news locally that CHP says... uh, DUI arrest way down from previous years, but then by Monday night, <laughs> it's the complete opposite again. Jim, I read on the news. Now, did you read it in the news or did you hear it on the news? I read it on the news. <laughs> did I what hear he it does, on the news? What he does is he actually turns off the sound and then turns on <laughs> the subtitles. Uh, <laughs> Seriously? Mark, we're going to be that way? Seriously? <laughs> really? Uh, there we go. So, Just making up for the last couple of shows, Jim. So, so CHP since, reports rise in DUI arrests from last year. Too bad. Man dies from drugs taken at Cow Palace Rave Party. Oh, you know, let's talk about this for a second. Did you see this on the news? Yes. It, Friggin' How does someone even get no, a permit? I, I read it on the news, Brent. Okay, so so I'm I'm curious about something. First, a rave party. Did they not expect to have drugs there? Secondly, how uh, do do the people that are involved in this feel that the party is somehow responsible for this kid's death? Of course, because he got tainted illegal drugs at the rave, and he took them and. Exactly how do you stop that? Uh, well, don't I don't, buy, think, they should, don't, buy I don't drugs. think they should tie their patrons down and force them to consume those drugs. I think that maybe is where they're... 
No, but I mean, it should. How about some common sense of not buying drugs from somebody that you don't know? How about just not buying drugs there? Thanks a lot. I doubt that's going to. That's probably why most of them go there. So rave party drugs and the parents were on the news crying about how they missed their kid because he's now dead. Well, they and said he was, he was a really good, responsible kid. Of Even course. though he was at a party and doing drugs and he goes to clubs, he goes to work the next day. Mm. But the bottom line was he did drugs, he got tainted drugs somehow, and there's a, there's other people in co- um, comas also due to this. And, so, and these tainted drugs should somehow be screened at the door? Like, are those good drugs or bad drugs? Yeah, they got to test the drugs at the door to make sure they're good drugs <laughs> and lit them in, and then they could sell it safely in there. Or they could just legalize ecstasy there and uh, sell. <laughs> Did you say pure ecstasy? ecstasy? <laughs> Did he say ecstasy? I said ecstasy. <laughs> I heard ecstasy. <laughs> I was, hey, we're gonna I'm run sorry. out. Of I just wanted to know what that, oh, was, that was. That was awesome. Sorry. <clears throat> okay. So. Hey man, you got any ecstasy? <laughs> Hey, what were we talking about earlier that you messed up on, Jim? What was is that, that Brent? Good? Is that good stuff or bad stuff? That's what I want to know. Hey, Mark, why don't you be texting me a message about that? And uh, <laughs> there we, we go. Talk about ecstasy. Uh, well, uh, now that we've insinuated that and assaulted everybody that listens to our I'm show, to think so- that Mark is having problems pronouncing T's that are in the middle of a sentence. <laughs> See, now, like right now, he'd be saying sentence instead of sentence. <laughs> Go ahead. Take it and run with it, Jim. So let's uh, let's move let's into Jim's. the first. Well, <laughs> let's move into the first topic because Road Rage has no T's in it. Wait, Mark's texting me. <laughs> I have to text him back. <laughs> you know, Jim yeah, doesn't get to make fun. jokes and laugh at himself very often, so I'm just going to let him take it and run it's with good. it. I think I'm that's brotherly good. love right there. All right. I'm getting a lot of ecstasy out of this. <laughs> All right. So how do we want to go into road rage? I mean, road rage is something I'm sure both of you have both responded to, probably had. I have it every day when I drive to work. Um, have you? Do you want to give some specific examples of issues that you've dealt with, or how do you want to do it? We get calls pretty often where uh, you know somebody's driving down the freeway, they get tailgated, uh, they get uh, they get all pissed off and they you know somebody whips around them cuts them off they flip them off they get into a flip off competition and then uh, all of a sudden someone pulls a gun and then they get scared and they call the police and they go oh somebody just brandished me with a gun on the freeway and whatnot but it it just totally escalates um, a word of advice it, it just a much more dangerous world when I was young I admit if somebody got behind me tailgated me or whatever I'd flip them off and play all the games but now there's so many guns out there um you flip off somebody and all of a sudden they're they're going to open fire on you and you know shoot some rounds into your car so you just gotta i mean you could yell and scream inside your car all you want to try to get the satisfaction but you got to control your temper so you can't you shouldn't flip them off with your gun yeah yeah there you go i mean please get behind you and uh take you down at gunpoint they show you their guns oh well, but, uh, you know, I mean, if somebody starts following you, an important thing, especially if there's a road rage incident, don't pull off on the side of a road somewhere. Um, go to a busy shopping center. If there's, if you know where there's a police department, go to the front of it, uh, go into a busy gas station, a busy shopping center. Cause less, someone's going to be less likely to, to do something in front of a lot of witnesses. 
But if you pull off the side of the road, it's kind of a deserted road, um, something can happen. Many years ago in Antioch, there was a guy following his wife home at nighttime, and someone started tailgating his wife, and he got all upset and mad. I mean, she wasn't really in any danger, but he got mad someone was tailgating his wife. And he pulled up next to the car and swerved toward him and flipped him off, and all of a sudden, uh, the guy in the other car opened fire on him and killed him right, right there on the side of the road. So it's uh, it's just not worth it. It's a really violent world. There's a lot of guns out there, a lot of guns, and it's just not worth you know flipping somebody off or or doing something in your car to get even when when you know you risk the chance of getting shot. Jim. Hello. Yeah, that's that's you, buddy. Your turn. What was the topic? Put, oh, put the caffeino down. <laughs> No, I was just thinking about Dad, you know. Dad gets a little hot-headed every now and then, and this happened a few years ago, but I think he was still like uh, 75 or 80. He was coming over the hill uh, on Highway 4, and some dude was tailgating him or cut him off, so my dad flips him off, and somehow the two ended up on the side of the road, uh, over on the road shoulder, and my dad gets out, and this friggin' white cranker dude gets out, and they start having words, and I don't remember for sure, Mark. Didn't the guy shove Dad down or something yeah, and then took well, I off? Yeah, I think they got into a little shoving match before it broke up. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you'd think that, you know, the dude that has two cops for sons would know better, but my dad let his uh, pride get in the way, and he thought he was going to show this dude uh, who was who. And that's the prime guy that will come out with a gun and fire around at you and then split like it's no big deal. Or pull out uh, a knife and give you a quick stab in the uh, abdomen. Over, and... over something that was completely stupid. And, and the best thing to do is just pull over and let the friggin' idiot drive by. And my partner Tommy and I, you know, we'll see like a motorcycle rip by us when we're in the patrol truck. And a patrol pickup truck is definitely not a pursuit vehicle. So it's a lot of stuff we have to let go by. But, you know, we look at each other and, and uh, say, you know, somewhere down the road, there's a telephone pole with that dude's name on it. And you got to let karma take it. But uh, doing what my dad did, that that's just asking for problems. You know, just take a deep breath, let the idiot go by or pull over, let him go by. And you may get your satisfaction down the road seeing a cop having him pulled over a couple of miles up ahead, you know, giving him a ticket. But it, it's just not worth Like I said, there's a lot and, of guns out there and it's just not and, worth and it. Instead of w- wasting your energy with the dude, use some energy with a pen and paper and write down a license plate number so that we can deal with it. Or even better, videotape that stuff. You can videotape use your cell phone when you're driving, Brent. Oh, whatever. No, Jim's right. If if the guy driving, wait. Like now that's not using your cell phone while you're driving. If you're videotaping, right? That is true. Oh. Oh, if the guy's driving like an idiot and uh, causing a hazard or whatnot, you could you can call into the highway patrol, and you know there may be a unit up ahead that's going to be watching for this guy come flying up and and be able to nail him. So, hey, uh, Brent. Hey, uh, Jim. Uh, did you have to pick that phone up to get to the camera mode? Did you have to push a button to get to go to the camera mode? Did you have to use the device holding it up to capture the image on the uh, camera itself? Then that's using a wireless device, dude. No, Your Honor. Officer, I was not using my cell phone. I was simply activating the camera part of my phone. Hey, Brent, how much time we got before we get kicked off? Thanks for thanks for bringing that up right in the middle of the podcast, so that we can actually have to edit it back to this point now. Well, you don't think our listeners are going to hear the little 
click in the middle because no, you, if, if, if you didn't, planned, pay, your, you didn't if, pay your bills. <laughs> if we planned it out right, it would go much smoother. Um, yeah, but we're at 12 minutes and 50, well, 13 minutes right now. So Oh, we got we got at least three more minutes. Just let Mark get on one of his two-minute tangents out of the cover of this segment. <laughs> you know, Jim's just bitter ever since he had his six change. I, I don't know what's going <laughs> on with that. I guess he hasn't done the voice part yet, then. No, no. Got it. So, to wrap up Road Rage... Don't hate me for being beautiful. <laughs> so, so, to wrap up Road Rage, what what are the top tips for Road Rage? Get a description, get a license plate if you can, and and call the authorities if you're not going to just blow it off and consider that the dude's an idiot and going to wrap himself around a telephone pole down the road. If you feel that strongly about reporting it, then call and report it, but don't engage someone on the side of the road. And don't make it worse by flipping somebody else off back or not in friggin' third grade. And uh, don't do anything to make it worse. Just pull out no of the idiot's way and let him go. No brake checks or anything. You know, just pull over and let him go. Control your temper. And just don't. remember, don't do something out of anger you're going to regret later. It's just not worth it. See, now, this is something Mark would say. Mark, don't put yourself on somebody else's level. Don't lower yourself to their level. Isn't that what you just said, Jim? No, I was saying that for you. <laughs> okay. What's the next thing? Okay, so that's Road Rage. And let's move on to, uh, to the next. Anything else you guys want to add on Road Rage or no? I think we've pretty much covered that. I'm all raged out. <laughs> Roid. Roid rage. So that's totally different. Don't don't give him anything that sounds like droid or he's going to play that. Yeah, no, he can't. I, I got a call from uh, Verizon. They said they need, they need him to stop doing that. So, Hey, I think it's free advertising for him. No, it doesn't work that way. See, when you have trademarks and copyrights, you have to ask for permission before you do things. So Ask permission and then play it. Okay, so panhandling. Panhandling is a huge topic in the book. It's actually almost five pages, which is actually incredibly long for one of these topics. So, thank so you, you don't, Jim. Don't tell Jim that he can't do something. Yeah, well, that's I'm gonna have I'm gonna have podcast rage. <laughs> All right, I'm done. Are you really? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Who wrote Panhandling? Was that Jim? That'd be me. That'd be you. So you picked all stories that you wrote. So Jim didn't have anything to talk about tonight, or no? He, we're going to do the uh, the stroke one. Oh, that's because he's going to have one. That's right. Yeah, Jim causes a lot of people to have that. <laughs> stroke so he's, out. An, he's an expert at it. <laughs> okay, so so Panhandling, go for it. Actually, Jim's going to be able to um, input a lot into this also from the affluent city where he used to work oh, but, you know a lot of people feel sorry you come up to a freeway off-ramp or an intersection and you see the uh the gruffy guy with the beard or the the girl standing there with a little cardboard sign saying you know homeless vet need work please help and you know it tugs on people's heartstrings they they feel sorry heartstrings see there was a t in the middle of that i said it just fine jim yeah i don't have any heart so i'm cool yeah, but I mean, people feel sorry and they throw them 50 cents, a dollar, whatnot. There are people out there that truly need the help, but I guarantee you the majority of these people, as soon as they get enough for a 40-ounce uh, bottle of beer, they're at the liquor store buying their 40-ounce or they're, they're saving up enough money to buy some drugs. 
They don't want a job. They don't want the help. They want the easy way out. Um, Like I said, I'm not going to put them all down because there are people out there that are truly homeless that truly need the help. But the majority of people you see in the the middle, the medians and the the freeway off ramps, they're nothing but drug addicts or drunks that we deal with on a daily basis. And, I mean, if you want to help them out, you know, tell them where to go, where there's a shelter or something. It, It just enables them by giving them money uh, to be able to go get their their beer because then the police have to deal with them two, three hours later when they're drunk causing disturbances at gas stations and, you know, they get aggressive a lot of times. Um, Just don't give them money. Uh, Like I said, they they try to go after people, the sympathy, they stare at you and they want you to give them money. Some people give them money out of fear, but just don't give them money. And Jim's got actually a story about a a couple – um, in an affluent city where he used to work where Jim actually talked to him and uh, they were using a little kid as a ploy, weren't they, Jim? Yeah, they had a kid in a stroller. They're out at 11 o'clock at night in front of a Safeway store and uh, I asked him and, and the bottom line was that's exactly why they were there. They make more doing that than they do on unemployment. And they were staying at a little uh, motel out there by where Mark works, and they'd hop on the bus and go to uh, this rich, affluent community about 12 miles away because they knew that's where the money was. And people think they're doing the good thing by reaching into their wallet and pulling out a 1 or a 5 or a 20 or, or whatever, and, and they think they're doing the, uh, you know, the right thing, but all they're doing is encouraging someone to not go out and uh, get reestablished in society. Hmm. So you know, this I mean, <clears throat> this is the story that's in the book here. It says he pulled out close to 280 bucks in 20s, yep. 5s and 10s, and he said, why should I go work in a glass booth at a self-serve gas station when I can make this every day tax-free? Yep. Yeah, that's a good yep. deal, actually, man. Jim, actually, Jim did write this article. And, you know, the thing is, if you want to do something, donate to a homeless shelter or a good cause like that. Don't give the people the money on the street. And I got to admit, um, the homeless was it was a big pain in the butt. Um, or can you say ass? Pain in the ass? Can we say that, Brent? Can now. Yeah, they were a pain in the ass out in front of our local Walmart. They were out in the center median. There's a, There was like three or four of them. And they're standing on this little tiny skinny median uh, at the turn pocket for Walmart, and people are handing them money. They're standing right out in the middle of the street. And every time I went through, I'm usually on the way to another call, so I'd get on the PA speaker and yell, get off the median. Um, or they'd see me coming, and they'd dart through traffic trying to get off there before I saw them. I wrote this one guy, and his name was uh, Lenny. I must have written him 15 or 20 tickets. And uh, most of the ones that I have talked to... <clears throat> I've seen them with, you know, they're high on drugs later on, they're, they're drunk as can be, arrest them for drunk later on, but I never saw Lenny drunk or, or on drugs. And I got to talking to him, and uh, he was actually a Vietnam vet, he was homeless, he lost everything, lost his ass in a bitter divorce, and he had nowhere to go, nothing to do. All he would do is try to get, make enough money to go get a Subway sandwich and uh, survive the day. And the more I talked to him, the more I realized he wasn't like the regular homeless I was dealing with. And to make a long story short, I know Jim wants me to cut it short. Um, I felt this is the one guy I felt sorry for. I've been a cop 20 years and I've never done this before. But Lenny was different than all the other drunks. And I asked him, I said, Lenny, if you could go anywhere you wanted, where would you go? 
and he said, I'd go back to Missouri to my family. He goes, I'm stuck here, Lambert. He goes, uh, I, I barely make enough money to eat. I, I can't get away. I have nowhere to go. I'm stuck here. And so I talked it over with my wife and we decided to help him out. And I actually bought him a train ticket, Amtrak train ticket back to Missouri. I got a hold of his relatives. They offered to take him in, um, gave him a couple of hundred bucks to get some new clothes and a haircut. And uh, he was on his way, and he actually called me last Christmas to to thank me for helping him out, giving him a second chance, because he says, you know, people usually in his position don't get a second chance, and he thanked me for giving him that second chance. And that's one of the very few people where I took it to the extreme and helped him out, because most of them are drunks and drug addicts, but uh, he wasn't, so it felt good to help him out. Well, at least so it you, turned out positive, too. It didn't turn out blowing up in your face. Right, right. Where I saw him on the median, you know, a month later, back right. in you know, the saying thanks, saying thanks, dude, for the money. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to the train station and got him on his way. So, but it, but it was really nice. I had a couple of local businesses donated some new clothes for him, and and it worked out really, really well. But he was he was an exception to the rule of uh, you know the people standing in the medians. But I took the time to actually talk to him, get to know him, and find out a little bit more about him. But the majority of these people you see on the medians three hours later they're staggering down the street drunk as can be right well i was actually they remember back i don't know it was a year or two ago they still have the issue in san francisco with the aggressive panhandling rule where these right. people would just literally like come up to you and just demand money from you so we i was there with a couple buddies and literally we had a guy i mean it almost came to blows trying to ask for money and i basically told him i said i got no problem buying you dinner sandwich shop right there we'll get you some food and that guy said, you crazy. I don't want food. I want booze. Mace told me straight up. And I'm like, okay, well, then you're not going to get anything from me. He got really not happy with that. So yeah. he ended up going to jail. But not by my well, There's a lot either. of people that try to intimidate, you know, by fear. They go up to people and they, they, you know, they ask for money and they make people afraid of them and they give them money. Yeah. But I, I saw a cute um, picture on the Internet where the guy was honest, he had the little, he was sitting on the side of the road with a cup and it said, need money for uh, liquor research or beer research or something. And <laughs> the guy was honest. I see, I'd donate to that. The guy's being honest. Liquor research. Yeah. <sighs> I need to see how many different brands I can drink while sitting out here on the median. See, San Francisco actually just passed that uh, don't sit, don't lay law, whatever it is. Yeah, some new rule. They're, they are aggressive about their panhandling rules. That is no, they're straight up, they don't like it there. Because they know. They got very aggressive panhandlers. Well, and they also, I mean, they have a lot of, well, they have people coming to that city to see the city and they're getting chased out of it by their the homeless people. Yeah, I went down to Fisherman's Wharf. I haven't been down there in a long time and I uh, took my wife down to Fisherman's Wharf. And on some parts of that, when you're walking from one pier to the other, you're stepping over homeless people. And there's other ones that are just, I mean, you talk about being mentally disabled. I mean, they are just, they're scary. They're just yelling and screaming at nobody and, and uh, begging for money and scaring people. Especially, you got to imagine somebody from another country coming here. They're, they're so intimidated by people like this. They just fork over all their money. Hey, when I was when I was 14, we went there on a school trip, and I had my butt handed to me by some gangbangers in that city <laughs> because I stuck up for a friend of mine saying, "Hey, don't beat my friend up." Oh yeah, they beat me up instead. Yeah, it was good. Broke my nose twice, same day. <laughs> I wonder you don't like panhandlers. Uh, well, they weren't panhandling though, but that was uh, that's quite a story. We'll save that for the gangbanger episode. 
Um, there we go. So, Bottom line, though, is if you see someone panhandling on a roadway or an intersection, call the police. I mean, we'll come out, identify him, and determine if he has a criminal history or uh, give him all, you know, alternative resources or whatever. Don't give him money. As Jim put in the book, every time you do, you're contributing to the problem, not the cure. If you, if you feel you really want to help, donate to a local shelter. That'll go toward people that really need it, you know, women and children and people that are actually looking for help end up in shelters so not just you know looking for beer or something so don't feel guilty that you drove past him go give some other way right G- give to a way that you know the people are going to get help because chances are your money's going to be uh, downed in a 40 ounce bottle of king cobra or or something uh, within a couple hours as soon as they get enough money for some beer and uh, anybody that's aggressive or any threatening ones immediately call the police i mean that's not going to be tolerated at all so that's my tips how about you jim anything no i agree completely and uh that was cool what you did for that vet it reminded me of uh, a couple years back when i was working out by brentwood i went to a uh, 415 physical between two brothers one was 15 and one was 17 and and i mean they were going at it and i forget what it was over but the kid and the brother, I mean, it was just inevitable. They were never going to get along. And mom and dad didn't speak English. They were Hispanic, didn't know what to do. And and they had tried to get the two brothers to get along. But basically, he had family in Texas, and uh, they had made arrangements for him to stay in Texas. But he had no means to get there whatsoever. So, you know, I mean, when you've been doing this job for a while, you can look in someone's eyes and see whether they're the real deal or if they're just, you know, full of crap. And... And this family was very sincere, and, and uh, the kids sincerely wanted to get to Texas and, and start a new life out there. And I kind of did what you did, Mark. I, I went to the ATM. It was Christmas Eve. I drew out 100 bucks, and uh, I told the kid, hey, anything other than you ended up in Texas, and I'll come down and hunt you down myself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't file charges for the, uh, for the physical, you know, or for the fight or anything. And... Uh, they had no way to get this kid over to the train station, so I drove him. I got permission to drive him over to Stockton to the nearest uh, Amtrak. And uh, he called me the next day from Texas, and his uh, aunt and uncle uh, both talked to me, and, you know, they were real appreciative. But sometimes, you know, I mean, not every cop in the world is going to give a guy a couple hundred bucks or a hundred bucks to get going. But, you know, it's all about the sincerity. And, 99.9% of these people panhandling have no sincerity whatsoever. They're out there gaming you. They just want your money, and uh, it's not going to be for anything to to make their life better. It's either for drugs or for alcohol, and uh, all you do uh, by giving them money is make it easy for them. Well, like you said, once you've been doing this job for a long time, you you can cut right through the BS, and you know who's real or not. And in your case, you saw it in this kid's eyes. And in my case, it was getting to know Lenny over the course of a month or two and, you know, never seeing him drunk, never seeing him high, unlike all the other ones. And he was the exception to the rule. So every now and then you come across somebody that truly, truly needs help. But you're not going to know that by, you know, stopping next to somebody on a freeway off ramp or a median for, you know, for a minute or two. You're not going to know that. So put your money where it will really help somebody in a shelter or a homeless fund. Okay, so that's good on that. And now let's uh, let's move right into uh, medical emergencies, which is something I feel like I'm going to have every day. 
You know, that's something that Jim wrote in this book, and he's going to cover the most of it because we, we were actually touched by that in our family. And, right. No, this is a good, this is good. And I think hopefully he'll talk about most of the points that are covered in here. So, because uh, a lot of times we'll hear, and most of the times we don't go to these calls. As a police officer, you hear the calls come out, uh, medical responding for a possible stroke, you know, such and such a address. And, we usually don't go to those, but you hear them all day long. And like I said, our, our family was touched by it. So our show, we normally talk about cop stuff, but Jim was being in the medical field for a while. And uh, so I thought it'd be good to change gears and do a topic that could affect pretty much anybody on, on any given day. Well, and this is definitely a topic, especially with the economy down the toilet and everything else going. Everybody's running under a ton of stress. So this is this would be a good topic to cover. Um, well, I, I mean, the, the topic and the, the chapters in the book just cover briefly, you know, some of the more important stuff, heart attack and, and stroke. But, it's, you know, you really can't nail it down with just one, one specific uh, ailment. You know, we wrote about mom's stroke because that was something unexpected and sudden. And, uh, you know, dad did the right thing by, you know, a lot of people when they get stricken by a sudden illness, uh, they're either embarrassed or they want to deny anything's wrong. And, and the first thing they tell you is, no, I'll be okay. Don't call 911. You know, I'll just lay down for a while. And then an hour later, they're they're deceased. But, you know, I feel the same way. I mean, unless I cut my leg entirely off with a chainsaw or something, I, I wouldn't want the fire department ambulance coming to my house. So I can understand the embarrassment, but people got to realize, you know, you could die from that. I think in mom's case, the whole side of her face and arm and side was numb and she could barely stand. And she was saying, I'll be okay. I'm okay. And uh, luckily, like you said, dad did the right thing and called for medical. Well, I don't know. If you go over some of the warning signs to to look for, a lot of people will, will ignore chest pains or ignore different things, saying it's just indigestion. And I thought being in the medical field, you can give a few tips on some warning signs that uh, could be serious. Yeah, and I've I've seen many of these things happen, you know, on the street. Actually, I think I was I might have been working with you, Jim, when we had a really weird one in the city that we were working in, where the guy had all kinds of weird signs. It was sort of stroke. Didn't know what he should do. He was disoriented. All that stuff, and we ended up saving his life because we called, you know, the fire department there. But. It's just one of those things that I think somebody called that in that night and they were like, you know, guys just acting strangely. And all of a sudden it wasn't related to just him being strange. It was all medical related. Well, you hear about it all the time with like the beta breakers, uh, you know, joggers having heart attacks and and, uh, you know, or in the grocery store. I mean, you hear fire responding, all this. But anytime you're having any type of unprovoked chest pain, especially if you don't have a history of it. You know, the, the uh, sharp chest pain, numbness or tingling, uh, particularly in the left arm, um, any type of paralysis or numbness uh, to one side of the face, thick speech. You know, a lot of these symptoms can almost give somebody the, the signs of being intoxicated with the thick speech and the paralysis to the face. But those are actually uh, strong signs of, of a stroke. You know, uh, you'll have, you know, a stroke affects one side of the body uh, only, not both. Um, one pupil will be larger than the other pupil. Uh, one side complete, will be completely uh, weak and, and almost uh, not usable compared to the other. You know, that's the first thing you do when, when uh, you know, you're checking for someone that has a stroke is squeeze both my hands. And the person will be squeezing the right hand, you know, really strong, and the left hand, there's nothing. And, and they think that they're squeezing both. But 
you know, that's with a stroke, you know, a, a heart attack, same thing, you know, any shortness of breath, chest pain. Um, one thing I really look for is the color of somebody. If they're extremely pale, uh, bluish tint to the lips, if they're profusely sweating, and uh, when you touch them, their forehead, you know, they'll be really cool to the touch, but profuse sweating and, and coolness to the touch, uh, uh, you know, those are extremely poor skin signs, and that means something's going on in your body, and it could be heat stroke, could be a regular stroke, could be a heart attack, anaphylactic shock from getting stung by a by a bee, anything. But you know that you can't just nail it down with with the with the stroke like mom had. Um, more recently, like just a couple days ago, um, a buddy of mine that owns a uh, a jet ski shop locally was working on a trailer and uh they were getting ready to head out of town to go to their parents cabin uh for the memorial day weekend and all he wanted to do was was get this job done he's working on a on a trailer replacing the bearings and he said that he wanted to uh, take a shortcut and uh try and replace the bearing while it was on the trailer instead of doing it the right way and taking the whole thing off and putting it in a in a vice on the on the shop well, he was using a powerful air tool to get this one part of the bearing off, and it ended up disintegrating, and he never felt it. But he said uh, he felt this wetness on his left arm, and he looked down, and blood was spurting out of his arm about a foot and a half, two feet. Cool. And he's going, what the hell? And he didn't feel anything. So he, he, he like, wiped away the blood, and he sees this little tiny pinhole that this blood's spurting out of. So he, he gets a rag, and the rag is instantly saturated in, in bright red blood. And, I mean, you know, the uh, the sign of that is it was arterial, you know, bleeding. I mean, somehow what ended up happening is something blew uh, from using the air tool. It disintegrated the bearing, and a piece of metal, a little tiny, almost can't see with the naked eye, piece of metal ricocheted into his arm. And it stopped, uh, the x-ray showed that it stopped about a half centimeter away from the bone itself. But it, it um, went through the artery, which is what was causing that, that bright, strong pumping of blood. Well, the reason why I'm bringing this up is one of the guys that were there says, man, we wish you had been here because it was like five grown men running around not knowing what to do. And it's so basic to me because as he's telling me that, I'm thinking, okay, direct pressure, elevation, Worst case scenario, a tourniquet, and immediate transport to the hospital. But to me, it's second nature because I've been dealing with it for so long. But to five grown men who are completely unexpected for this, you know, they don't know any better, it's like, what do we do? What do we do? And that panic can often uh, lead to some dire consequences. So, you know, aside from what our book says, it's got some good information about medical emergencies and what you should do. But... Um, whether it's a car accident out on the street, an, an industrial accident at work, sudden symptoms at home for a, for a medical problem that you may or may not have, a seizure. Um, seizures probably are the scariest thing you'll ever see when somebody's having one, but they're also about the most harmless, you know, as, as drastic as they look. Uh, it's not like where they say in the movies, give me a spoon, I've got to put a spoon in his mouth to keep him from swallowing his tongue. You know, that kind of stuff never happens. It doesn't happen. You know, and the seizure is going to be over in about a minute and a half. But um, aside from the symptoms, I'm just going to recommend that everybody, at least one or two people in a household or in a family, does their family justice and goes through an American uh, 
uh, Heart Association or Red Cross um, CPR course where you learn the basics for all this stuff. A first aid class or a CPR course. ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation. You know, 25 years ago, that's what I learned taking care of patients. And 25 years later, it's the same thing. ABCs, airway, is the person breathing okay? Breathing, are the lungs expansive? Is everything going okay? And circulation, does the person have a pulse? And along with that, that uh, instruction, I mean, you learn about all these emergencies that can take place at work or home. So the courses are usually uh, very, very inexpensive, like under 20 bucks. You get a certificate. Uh, but more so, peace of mind, if you're at that family dinner at Christmas time, and God, I hate hearing these calls when I'm working on holidays, but you do. You know, the uh, grandfather or somebody in the family chokes. Nobody knows what to do. They call 911. They're screaming. There's hysteria heard on the phone in the background because the person's turning blue. And nobody knew, you know, to do the Heimlich maneuver or what to do to clear an obstructed airway or how to do CPR. And that's how you lose people in your family that'll never come back. Yeah, or they're they're doing it wrong and making it worse. Exactly. So... You know, I mean, there's so many things that can, can happen to you in life, whether you're out camping and, and uh, it's getting bit by an insect or a snake or something else. Going through one of these eight-hour courses for the American Red Cross or the, or the Heart Association will give you a lot of peace of mind and, and education to, uh, to be able to handle these situations when you're out on your own. You know, a paramedic's not always going to be five minutes away, like when you're at your your house, you know, or your home. If you're out I mean, in the could, middle of nowhere, could be anything. Could be uh, you're driving down the freeway and an auto accident happens right in front of you, and uh, you get out and there's little kids that need help. Uh, you know, a severe cut, uh, anything. It just you know could be at the workplace. Somebody goes down at your workplace. It's you know in your everyday life something could happen right around you, and it's good. Like Jim said, it's good to have that training. Uh, to be able to not panic and know, you know, the basics of what to do. No one expects you to be a doctor, you know, and, and do that stuff. But you, if you know the basics, you can control bleeding. You could do CPR and get somebody breathing again. You could do the, uh, do the basics and save someone's life. Well, and I guess in general that rolls into um, a lot of local police departments have programs that, you know, like citizen on patrol type program or one of these other programs that people can get involved with if they want to, to learn some of those other basics that happen and get more involved in their community too. So a lot of different, a lot of different options out there. Yep. I agree. Just flipping through the articles here. looks like, uh, looks like your local fire department made an impression here, Jim. (laughs) Which one? Uh, Consolidated, they were. Oh, the ones that responded to my yeah, uh, to your yeah to your mom's thing. Yeah, it was a guy I worked with uh, years before at the ambulance company. <laughs> Small world, huh? Yep. Well, that's good. So I guess the person that reacted the quickest was your dad, though, right? Because he knew from dealing with you two for his whole life that he had to react quickly. Yeah, dad. Uh, dad gets five stars for that one. You know, a stroke. I mean, it, it, it's. A stroke is a shortage of blood to the brain, and and it can cause permanent paralysis or or permanent damage. And you see a lot of people that have had strokes that weren't able to make a you know a complete recovery. They're walking uh, with with basically a, a serious limp, an arm in a sling. There's droopage on on the same side of the face. 
they talk with great difficulty, uh, limited memory. I mean, it can have long-term effects if you don't get, you know, get it right away. And uh, our mom is so lucky. She's had a 99.9% recovery um, because of the treatment she got so quickly, both in the field and at the hospital. So, you know, we were, we were real, real lucky with our mom. But a lot of people don't recognize it as something to be dealt with immediately. And they let it go, and then it's too late. Even you the know, small my, signs, not not just the you know the flat out telltale signs, but some people may feel dizzy or nauseous, or or they just may not feel right, um, and they say, "I'll just lay down, I'll be okay." But if any of these symptoms persist, because there's people that I know have had mild strokes or you know mild heart attacks that just kind of blow it off, saying, "I'll just lay down and take a rest. I'll feel better lately," but. You know, if you're having small ones like that, it's a matter of time before the big one sets in. Yeah, and high blood pressure has a lot to do with that, too. So if, if you're one of these people running around with a, a normal blood pressure of 250 over uh, 140, you probably want to uh, see a doctor and get that. I mean, that's my normal rate, but that works for me. I don't recommend that for anybody else. But uh, that's where I would give a plug to Cofino with uh, 32-ounce non-fat ice lattes with eight extra shots. But... Um, I'd no, say it's, it's. I'd say it's, if anybody if anybody sees that number ever on a BP cuff in any respect, they should see a doctor. Yeah, that's that's uh, <laughs> you know, but you know, again, more recently, you know, Mark was getting worried about my dad, and and my dad, you know, he's eighty five, eighty six now. He was uh, looking real pale and real ashen. He'd he'd get out of breath, you know, when you talk to him, uh, just anything more than a minute, you know, you could hear him kind of, you know, not gasping for her, but you could tell he was, he was short of breath. He was short on breath. And he, it finally, uh, not short on breath, short of breath, Mark. Did you say short on whatever? Anyway, he finally went to the hospital and they did some tests and uh, he had a, a major form of, uh, I guess, what they would call walking pneumonia. I mean, they, they withdrew, I think, two liters of fluid from around uh, one of his lungs. And, and the doctor said it was almost a record of uh, the amount of fluid that he extracted, you know, from, from somebody's outer lung cavity. And uh, my dad was bummed out because he didn't hold the record. I guess he just missed it. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, your body will tell you when something's wrong. And whether it's dizziness or sharp pains or numbness or paralysis or nausea or profuse sweating, anything that's not right, you really got to uh, pay attention to what your body's telling you and see a doctor. You know, speaking of records, I think Jim has set the new record for babbling for the last 15 minutes. Actually, we just, well, it's a long story. But we're, we're now into our next 15-minute segment. So... So oh. just hey, just I got to, an article. I see you. No, wait. Just to wrap up medical, let's just just like for a quick fifteen seconds each. What do you? What are the biggest topics? Mark, you can start. Well, my biggest thing is like Jim said, get some training, learn the basics. There's uh, so many things could happen. Whether it's in your family, whether it's just driving down the road, walking down the street. Get some training to know the basics. There's some courses, uh, Red Cross, uh, um, they offer the CPR classes, um, other medical stuff. Some of them are four hours long. Some of them could be a a full day. But most cities will post it in the paper um, that they have a training course and you could sign up. It's cheap. 
and it's it's invaluable to have that that training. And Jim, anything to round it out? No, I mean it's like driving down the street. You know, if you carry uh, extra gas in your car or uh, radiator fluid or an extra fan belt or a flashlight or uh, you know anything on on your car, you don't have to be a mechanic to know how to use it. But when your car starts messing up and something's going wrong with it, you have the the basic tools. You know, to get to a you know a regular repair shop that's going to fix it. Well, it's the same with your body. When your body's telling you that something's wrong, or if you're involved in an accident, like my buddy at work uh, with with the uh, arterial bleeding, you know, if you know the basic tools to use and and how to use them, you know, you're you're going to come out 100% better than if you don't. And whether you're just panicked and try driving your car 30 miles to the next gas station with no water in it, you know, I mean, you're going to cause dramatic damage to your car well it's the same thing with your body and if you take that eight-hour course through the red uh the red cross or the american heart association and get the training and and you know have a an ample uh first aid kit at home or or in your vehicle you're going to be a lot better off hey even if even if they just even if you just have the training to be able to be helpful and not part of the problem that's that's good enough even I mean, I've seen many people turn a situation that was really not that big a deal into a straight-up disaster. All right, well, that covers those topics. Do you guys want any other stuff that we want to chat about tonight, or do we want to wrap it up? Any questions? Any questions to answer, like from uh, listeners? No. No shout-outs to anybody? No shout-outs. Oh, man. I think people are worried. I'd be happy just to get one. Just... Just to get one, somebody write in and tell us where you're from, just so you can get a shout out and a free book. So I think that part of the issue is is that this is a tough this is a tough deal to ask questions about because anonymity is something that people like to maintain. Well, that is a big word for Brent. I had a T in it also. Yeah, and I got it all out without messing it up. He so did. we're going to give you a book. <laughs> That's sweet. I've got them in my garage, so we're good to go. Um, I, I think I mean, that's something. Just anything, just any comments or anything. We, we'd love to hear from somebody. Just to write in. You don't have to give us your name. Just write in. Let us know what you'd like to hear. Uh, you know, if you got a question, that's fine. Uh, this is your opportunity to ask a cop a question. Um, you know, you could be anonymous about it. Yeah. So, hey, no. I got a quick uh, something in the news I just saw today. And. Uh, this is one of the things, like Jim says, you know, don't be stupid and take things into your own hands. We, we covered confrontations last week, you know, about confronting your neighbor over the loud music or whatever, whatever. This is out of uh, <clears throat> East Richmond. Uh, two men in the unincorporated East Richmond Heights neighborhood went to the hospital Sunday after trying to retrieve a dog from neighbors who stabbed them. One of the victims took his dog for a walk in the neighborhood Sunday night. Uh, the sheriff's department said two men approached on the 2200 block of Cypress Avenue, stole his dog, and beat him unconscious. After waking, the victim went home, told his family about it. Now, do you think they called the police? No. no. He apparently knew his attackers because he and a relative went to a house on the 2200 block to confront them. Good, the good man plan. Was on a, 
Yeah, the men responded by meeting them on the porch and stabbing each one several times with knives. Someone called 911 about 10.40 p.m., and the paramedics took away the victims who had non-life-threatening injuries. Deputies found the suspects faking sleep at the house, but arrested them anyway on suspicion of attempted murder and other felonies. They arrested an 18-year-old man and a 16-year-old juvenile. And uh, the dog was a three-month-old pit bull, and they do not know if the authorities recovered it. But that's a classic example where you should call the police, let the police handle it. But you got to take something into your own hands, and look what happens. We, didn't we touch on something like that last week about like you know four fifteens, loud noises, yeah, don't, party calls, don't, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. This is just another example of uh, don't do stupid things. And were you hey, here's one for stupid? Oh, a man calls nine one one after his mother takes his beer. <laughs> a thirty two year old dude called 911 numerous times to complain about his mom stealing his beer. I told him. I, I can understand that. That, was, that was a homeless guy, and he was on the median for four hours trying to earn enough money to get that 40-ounce bottle of beer. I, th- I exactly. thought I convinced him not to publish this article. This guy told the deputy <laughs> that his mother took his beer, and he wanted her arrested. He uh, reportedly was very intoxicated when the deputy was there. And he told the, de- the deputy that he would keep calling emergency responders if his mother wasn't charged and arrested. And in turn, he was charged with making false 911 calls and was jailed on a $150 bond. <laughs> I think the part they left out was after the deputy stopped laughing, the man was charged with a... That's beautiful. Oh. Then there's... We were talking about karma earlier. Yes. We're, I'm Yo, trying so to what see... What was her last name, Jim? Karma who? <laughs> That's a stripper Karma. name. Don't ever. No, no. Lightning strike that killed inmate was bizarre accident. I'm not sure how bizarre that was. <laughs> a lightning strike that killed one inmate and injured five others at a correctional was that a, institution was, Jim, on was that Memorial a, Day. Hey, was, was that a called strike? a bizarre accident? <laughs> well, what else would it be called? No, no it was an intentional accident. <laughs> was that a third so all, strike? All, all the prison guards got Shock. together and rigged extension cords together. And uh, see, I'm trying to find what he was in there for. <laughs> Apparently, all these inmates were in the uh, recreational yard in the middle of a lightning storm, and uh, holding up fishing <laughs> poles. Holding up fishing poles. <laughs> and this one uh, was struck by lightning. That's a shame. That that is. I I love the one. In, it was San Francisco or Oakland or something like that. I saw it last week. A woman was found in the bay, in, zipped inside of a suitcase, and they said the police are investigating this as a possible homicide. Okay. <laughs> what was it? Well, was it a suicide? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to zip myself in this bag and chuck myself in the bay. I swear, right on the news, on TV, it said police are investigating it as a possible homicide. I really? Yeah. Uh, hey, were you on duty for the Antioch High School shooting? Um, I think I had just gotten off. Hmm. You don't know anything about this thing? No, they've had two of them up in oh. uh, in the uh, over there. They had one up, but uh, they had one at one of the high schools. The city has two high schools, and they had actually a right. shooting at uh, both of them. Well, at least they don't, you know. One of the high schools has a lot of violence. They had a shooting there. They had um, stabbing. All gang-related stuff. 
Uh, well, they were kind of blowing it off, saying, uh, you know, they were all non-students that came here to fight students. and Possible homicide. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the schools have uh, are having some issues. It's, you know, it's not just out in East County or anything. There's a, there's a lot of problems um, all over the place with violence in the schools. Well, I mean, I don't have any kids in school, so the last time I went to school is when I was in school. So I guess the question is, is, is it really that bad in schools these days? Uh, yes and no. There's people, you know, people are bringing knives and occasionally they're bringing guns and they get in a confrontation. Unfortunately, the kids nowadays, you know, back when we were young, if you had a confrontation, you get in a fist fight the next day, you're best friends. And uh, people, are, people are just shooting each other over confrontations now. There's, like we mentioned earlier, there's just a lot of guns out there and they're they're desensitized to where the first sign of any kind of confrontation the first thing that comes out is a weapon and they're using it so well, i mean it's really it, kind in, of a shame the way in the last are. in the last year how many weapons do you think came out of schools in your area um i mean are we talking about a lot um i'd say probably at least 10 to 15 arrests and that's that's just arresting the kids where it was brought to somebody's attention they had it right there's a lot more kids that have it that just you know they got something in their locker they got something in their pockets or backpack or or something but just the ones where you know somebody saw something probably at least 15 to 20 kids have been arrested and that's middle school uh kids also as well as high school <laughs> uh Back every now and then, you get a call to an elementary school. Um, I was lucky to get my books to school. I couldn't imagine carrying a gun. We, you read articles where kids bring, in elementary school, brings a gun from home because they think they found it in dad's drawer and they bring it for show and tell and it goes off in the classroom. There was an article last week about that. Sweet. Yeah. So this is my dad's forty-four Magnum. This is how it. <laughs> this is how it works. Click. Yeah. Hey, are we are we giving credit for honesty? Sure. This dude was arrested over the weekend on suspicion of his sixth DUI. No. And apparently uh, he was arrested after his car struck a utility pole and a parked car. <laughs> and when police asked him how much he had to drink, the dude said, I'm drunk, what can I say? <laughs> when he was asked to perform certain field sobriety tests, he was unable to finish telling police it ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> He was arrested, and his blood alcohol level was .194. That's awesome. I'm pretty sure I've been on calls with you for a DUI arrest where the guy actually said, dude, it ain't happening. Yeah. <laughs> Just take me to jail. Well, it's nice <laughs> to know that rehabilitation works, because this dude <laughs> was hooked in 1990, 96, 2000, 2003, and 2006, hmm. and... Uh, so he's got about a three-year span when it wears off. Yeah, that's, that's pretty amazing. Good. At least he waits till he's off probation. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing you see these people that have been arrested, you know, eight, nine, ten times for DUI, and they're still out there driving. But you know, people say don't give them a license. That ain't gonna stop them. They, these people, they probably haven't had a license in a while. They just they're gonna climb in a car and drive anyway. Foul odor at church leads to discovery of body in the attic. Maybe we won't touch that one. Yeah, that that we'll save that one for another day. <laughs> All right, his, so name let's... Wasn't, his name wasn't Lenny, was it? Oh. <laughs> Man. 
All right. Why don't we wrap it up and um, we'll answer all the questions that people write in next week. Yeah, well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll dig through and find some more people. I'll hit Twitter and see if we can pull some questions out of some people. So Maybe if we start offering to pay people. Hey, we're almost up to like over a thousand people on Twitter, so that's good. So Okay, I should, one should person. One person out of that thousand, please write us and tell us where well, you're at. I, that's not to say that we've never been written a question. Let's not get this wrong. We had like 30 or 40 questions. We've gone through most of them. So... Now, now we're just asking for more. So, dude, this is the internet. You can make up whatever you want. Can't you say, uh, Brittany wrote in asking if it's true that if she unbuttons four buttons of her blouse, if she'd get off on a speeding ticket? Well, that's yes. probably like, how you met her, Jim. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> so it worked. <laughs> but it was five buttons. There's so. your answer. All right. So, all right. Well, we'll. Uh, We'll, we'll, I'll hit the internet and see what I can make up for next week. But um, yeah, that the, the offer still stands with the questions that we use on the air. We will definitely give people books. I'm actually sending out two books this week to people that ask questions. And that's questions a previous. 1995 value. All right, so we got to wrap it up. We'll uh, we'll see everybody next week. Uh, go now, to Mark, our site. In the meantime, keep uh, keep texting me those messages, huh? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so, Jim, and make sure you take your medication for the sex change. You know what could happen if you don't. Got to <laughs> fall off again. So, website, coptalk.info. Ask your questions anonymously, and uh, we'll see all you guys next week. All right, see stay ya. safe.